BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Incomparable, number 605, March 2022. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell. This episode is about, actually, funny story, a while back, we did an episode where we talked about the book Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel. And guess what? Now we're going to talk about the miniseries based on the novel Station Eleven called, wait for it, Station Eleven. Sorry, it wasn't a surprise. It's called the same thing as the book. Anyway, uh, I thought it was pretty interesting that we had already read the book for our book club, uh, and then they made a show out of it. And also, I thought it was a really interesting show. So we're going to talk about it. It was on HBO Max. And uh, here, it's not just me telling you what the title is. Uh, There's some great people with me here. Uh, Aline Sims joins me. Hello. Hello. I liked the book. And I really, really liked the miniseries. Mm. Spoiler! Wow, you're just letting it all people. Yep. You don't you don't like people to wonder, do you? Like, like well, I wonder. Mm. I don't know what's Aline going to say. You're like, yeah, mm. I don't know. Here it is. Mm-mm. Annette Weirster, you do not have to answer if you liked it or not, but you can if you want. Hello. I will just spoil that I've not read the book. Oh, good, 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 good. So I am coming in fresh to this story with no preconceptions. All right. Gene McDonald is also here. Hello. Hello. And well, I'll spoil that I read the book after I saw the show. And now I'm that's probably a first for me. And uh, I'm glad that I did. But I'm really interested to talk about all of this with everybody. And uh, it wouldn't be an apocalypse without him. John Syracuse is here. (laughs) Yeah, because everyone knows I love End of the World stuff. So everyone recommended that book to me a lot when it came out. Oh, you should read Station Eleven. And I did what I normally did, which is not read the book and wait for the TV show to come out Uh, and watch that. Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, It's episode 231, by the way, Eat, Pray, Love, Die, Survive, uh, (laughs) in which we read three sort of apocalyptic uh, books. Except as I recall, I didn't read one of them, but Lisa talked about it. So that was fine. Um, and, and it was Station Eleven and also forthcoming TV series, The Peripheral by William Gibson. So that episode may generate two uh, TV shows. That's pretty funny. Station Eleven. So a couple of us have read the book uh, beforehand. One of us read the book afterward and a couple of us uh, don't know what books are. Who cares? Whatever. TV is where it's at, man. Uh, so this is, this is, uh, an interesting, let's start with the fact that they made a show about a global pandemic that kills almost everybody and, uh, and had to literally (laughs) shut it down in the middle because of a global pandemic that didn't kill everybody, but still, um, and I understand that, so this show, 
episode one, everybody gets sick. It's very bad. And I, I don't know, like, I didn't have a problem watching it. I also read the book before, um, and I watched The Stand last year, right? Like, it's okay. I, I can handle it. But I know that it, it is something that probably... Uh, makes people wonder, do I even want to watch this show? Because it does start out with the darkness of a uh, 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 spreading disease that that is a uh, running rampant around the world and is killing a lot of people. How did how did it hit all of you about uh, the way this story starts? Because episode one is set, although this show is in multiple time frames, episode one is almost entirely set in year zero, basically as the uh, big uh, pandemic is hitting. I will I will say I almost bailed on this podcast a couple of times going, I don't know if I can keep going. <laughs> I, I had been told going in uh, from a couple of people like this show, it's very optimistic. The first episode is going to be really hard and then it's going to be OK. And I was like, that is true. But because they play with the timeline in really interesting ways, you keep coming back to that. And then there's like a lot of darkness in it, but it does end up being optimistic but also that like just at any other time you it, it would have been fine but in the current context it it did feel a little heavy but it was also like just such a good i'm now i'm spoiling yeah i thought it was a really good story and a smart story and that's what kind of kept me going in it and i just wanted to know what happened you gave it all away I know. Other thoughts about the the fact that this is a story about a global pandemic? I think it's a high degree of difficulty because, uh, you know, it's the a weird version of the plumber problem uh, where if the, if, if the viewer knows too much about a topic, it's hard for them to uh, watch something about it because it's always going to get the details wrong. And now all of us, unfortunately, know a lot more than we used to about global pandemics. And so here they are, show, you know, making a TV show of a fictionalized global pandemic. And we have like something roughly comparable to you know be in our mind while we're watching it and that's hard to do like when it was all just you know well like you know before covid you had movies like contagion or even you know all the zombie movies and all sorts of stuff like that and i was like okay well whatever you know this hasn't actually happened so i suppose it could happen like this but now watching an actual show about an actual pandemic we're all kind of like at least unconsciously comparing it to our own experiences and uh, and our, not our own experiences of the specific things that are happening, but like how would uh, individuals and the world as a whole react to something like this? Um, mm -hmm. It didn't uh, bother me because I, you know, I have obviously a high tolerance for end of the world type things. Mm -hmm. um, and also because of this, the way this show is done, I'm assuming the book is similar. It is very, I don't know, not fanciful, but like it's not, super duper interested in the end of the world mm -hmm. stuff it's much more interested in the characters and the story and the end of the world is a is a foil for the characters or a backdrop for the story um and so it, yes you know i didn't i i don't know if, if it's possible for me to watch something that's about end of the world and be bothered by it even if i was in the literal end of the world I'd be like, <laughs> i'm still up for watching a tv show about it because you know i just i don't know i have that separation but uh but yeah if you're not in the mood for uh, that type of thing because you get enough of it in real life. This probably wasn't the show for you. I think for me too, what helps is that the this pandemic is a different kind of pandemic from what we have been going through. We've oh, been sure. going through this very slow 
burn pandemic that is just forever happening. Whereas this was like very quick moving, people didn't know what was happening. And it was virtually over before it began, you know. And so um, I think that really helped is because it was just like, people weren't like it wasn't a lingering thing. It was just like, oh, yep, a bunch of people are dead. Um, Now what? They didn't have time to be jerks about it. Yeah, yeah, you know, and <laughs> they didn't have to it's, argue about wearing masks because they never even had any. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although, that, yeah. I mean, speaking of the, the plumber problem, that is, you know, ha- having experienced COVID, one of the things that I was kind of in my mind, like bothering me was um, like how quickly everyone in the movie accepted the idea that this disease is here and we're all going to die. Not the main character so much as just the background things. Again, this is not what the show is about, so who cares? But the newscasters, the the doctors in the hospitals, all were like immediately on the page of like, yep, we're all going to die. Um, and that seemed, for again, based on COVID experiences, unrealistic because mm-hmm. I feel like no matter what would happen, they're just, you know, the strain of denial and, and sort of being contrary is just so strong, apparently, in our entire planet that it's hard to believe that all the newscasters would be like, well, signing off, we're all going to die later. Um, but that's what that's what the show did, because they just needed to get on with it. And they didn't, you know, obviously, if they were going to have, you know, half of the network's uh, refusing to admit that it's real or whatever, all those people will be dead in an episode anyway, so it doesn't exactly. really matter. But, yeah. but it did, th- yeah. that's what I feel like, that's the degree of difficulty of like, having lived with it, if you're going to make a bunch of people on your show do a thing, uh, it, and it doesn't match up with what people expect, it is it is going to pull people out more. And so now I think we all kind of expect more resistance to reality, let's say, mm. um, and there wasn't that much of it in the show. Yeah, it's uh, that's true. I, I, you could, they could have. Uh, I, I think again, this was all written and partially shot before the pandemic, and then they concluded it. Um, but I did have that thought when the guy is in the car and Jeevan is like, "Don't mm-hmm. get out," um, which is I think in episode one, um, "Don't get mm-hmm. out." Yes. And I, I was like, he, "No, he should get out and be like, no, as as he's uh, as he's dying, he'd be like, no, it's fake news, it's not real." <laughs> It's the same thing with Contagion, where the, conta- the, the spoilers for the movie Contagion, I'm sorry if you haven't seen it, but like at the end of the movie there, uh, a vaccine is developed, and that's like, and, and we lived happily ever after, right? <laughs> yep. People just right? Like that's, it. They that's lined the up for it. <laughs> great. Right. Yeah, exactly, because, you know, and that makes total sense pre-pandemic. That type of thing makes total sense as a resolution for a pandemic movie, but now you watch it and you're like, yeah, right. <laughs> so... John, you said something about the, you assume in the book and you're absolutely right. So I just wanted to, to note that, um, the book, I got frustrated by the book when I was reading it and and I, I I really had to come around to the idea that the book is not interested in the mechanics of the apocalypse. And there are things Mm -hmm. that are in the book that I was like, come on, that's not how it happens. And the, the way that I learned to give up and love the book station 11 was to accept that it's not really about that. It is about the people. It's about the human spirit. It's it's trying to pr- project an optimistic view of humanity even through the worst uh, of of this. And 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 the show carries that off. I think the the show is also about kind of keeping the flame alive and the human spirit. And it is not even though there are you know there are red bandanas and there's a a hippie cult leader and and we have to talk about that. It is not quite the grind of something like the walking dead where everything is bad 
and you know it's 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 just not it's a more gentle and optimistic view of what happens after the end of the world and it yeah we could quibble about the details the show kind of elides a lot of that that the the book does give some details that don't make any sense and it's like it's not what the book's about everybody you just gotta let it go and the show is similar i think the tv show did a good job of i mean obviously we're concentrating mostly on like the good characters right but it did a good job of making it clear that like the world is a dangerous place now. sure like you gotta have you a know, knife the red, the, yeah the red bandanas <laughs> everyone's always got a knife like uh, you know having having uh kirsten sniping like supposed to be sniping while he's doing something and he gets bonked over the head by the pregnant lady like that every encounter essentially life or death right that that if you see someone, chances are good that it's going to be kill or be killed. Type <laughs> if you of see thing. someone, kill someone. That's what they always say, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. And that, like it, it is that anyone you meet, you know, uh, could it could be uh, you know the end of the road for you. And it, uh, so I, I felt like that was definitely in the show. Um, but again, it's, it was mostly concentrated on characters who had found a way. Like there's a big time jump, so they had found a way to survive and establish some degree of normalcy and what what does that normalcy look like to the different people and why um but i definitely felt like you know having not read the book i felt like the show that world felt plenty dangerous to me no it's not the walking dead where you just constantly your main characters are constantly fighting off some evil thing but it was it was almost kind of like the road but without like just going downhill forever right. it was like essentially uh, the uh, the your best assumption if you ever see another human is they probably want to kill you or you should probably kill them there are exceptions and the exceptions are well codified but but with, but if you with, without any other information it's kill or be killed i felt the same way and i think like that's where it picks up sort of the feelings of like oh we're actually not that great at this whole thing and that element of sort of danger and risk and that we end up fighting each other is sort of where that felt to me the correlation to the anti-masking, anti-vaccine, um, that disbelief sort of picked up in that way, which is, you know, a different outcome. But that felt realistic to me because like in this situation, that is what happened instead of the stuff that actually happened. And I, I agree. I felt there was that risk and that risk sort of dissipated as the timeline went on. But at the beginning, it felt quite... Um, dangerous and you didn't know what to do or who to trust yeah there wasn't a lot of people helping each other and like you know setting aside just the first you know six months or whatever like there wasn't a lot of let's all band together to help each other survive i mean like the the only time they the first time they see somebody uh, you know in their apartment they finally unseal the door and that encounter is a deadly encounter like this you know we've been Mm -hmm. sealed up in here should we have been out helping each other no everyone out there wants to kill you or you want to kill Mm -hmm. them right or they're in the little house together and someone drives by should we flag them down and say hi and see if they want to come sugar no you should not <laughs> like stay away from and even even you know 20 years in the future or whatever is where they're going around the wheel they stick to the wheel because you go off the wheel and you're probably going to get killed right although at least i think one of the clever things the show does in order to maintain its tone is skip ahead to where there's some stability I think mm-hmm. that's an important, even though obviously there's been a lot of trials and tribulations in the meantime, when you get to the point where you're with the traveling symphony and they're on the wheel, there is a, a again, a culture. And there's like, they go to that, um, that settlement where there are all those people who are waiting for them, like a human culture and the idea of having sort of like safe safety in communities is coming back. And if, you know, I, I think it's important that the show jumps ahead like that, because if it was the grind to get there, the show would be a lot less like knowing even though it jumps around, knowing that it's going to be, if not OK, better is helpful in in mindset, I think. 
I think settled is not okay, but you know what to expect. You know, you know not to trust people. You know where it's relatively safe. You know the roads that you can travel. And I think that if we didn't have that jump, I wouldn't have been able to watch the show. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I bailed on The Walking Dead long before the pandemic started, like (laughs) probably four years ago, because I just could not... I couldn't take the grind anymore. And I am so burned out on pandemic now that I would not have been able to take just the grind in this show. So I'm glad that we didn't get a ton of that, you know, intervening time. We got what we needed to know to understand Kirsten and Jeevan's stories. Um and and how they diverge and um you know how they grow to love each other and all of that but it's not the slog yeah because i would i would not i would not have been down for that i would have definitely bailed on the show if it had been that same so one of the things that um, we've been talking about here a little bit is this uh, multiple time frames, but it's not even a straight up multiple time frames. The show jumps around a lot and the, the, the book does too, although I think maybe not as much as the show, but anyway, the book does it too, where there's multiple time frames. And in fact, there are lots of gaps that, that are left. Like we see uh, Kirsten and Jeevan in episode one leaving the apartment and then we see Kirsten as an adult. And we don't know for a long time what happened after they left the apartment. It, we find out eventually, but not for a long time. And and so we we likewise get insight into other characters. It reminded me of Lost a little bit, you know, where you're seeing somebody in the present day, which is 20 years ahead, but then you're also kind of backing up and getting some insight into their history. I do think it also... Um, I wonder if it defangs the the tendency of TV shows to have shocking twists. If you there there is one shocking twist I guess in this whole show, but like no no, this is what happens. You already saw it. Now we're just going to inform you about what came along the way. Um I don't know, it feels again a little more gentle to the viewer to say we're going to fill in the gaps and let you understand in kind of artful ways we're going to reveal what has happened but the goal here is not to create an intricate puzzle box that you have to solve and i found that refreshing it's a little bit withholding though like there you do want to know what happens like my first reaction i think i uh, posted it in the slack after seeing the first episode or two was like i wish they had just told this linearly because like you don't know how long they're going to hold back this information you know they do the big jump and you're like well but i want to know what happened here and what they're referring to and they can sort of dole that out slowly and i'm not sure the show is better for that like because it's not it's not as if the the stuff they're going to dole out is any kind of twist or shocking revelation it is just filling in the pieces of the story um and what Mm -hmm. lost tended to do was jump you backwards to uh to moments in a character's life that were essentially the non-lost portion of the character's lives to inform who they are right and then here they're on the thing whereas this was jumping back into the station 11 parts of their lives like it wasn't <laughs> jumping back to it, it wasn't jumping back to jeevan's uh childhood and it's pre-pandemic days to let you know what kind of person he was it was just jumping back to well here's something that happened earlier you know after the pandemic that you didn't see um but by the end of the series it didn't bother me because i think it did it did fill in the pieces 
fast enough that I didn't feel like it was purposely withholding. Um, and the show, the, I feel like they got less jumpy and more sort of settled into the story they were telling. And then when you do like the one or two very strategic jumps backs to find out like, you know, the play and the apartment, you know, or I don't know. There was, I think that's the, the main one that I was like, well, how, how did they get out of the apartment? What happened to Frank? Um, that felt more like, okay, of course there's going to be one episode where they finally do fill in that last piece. Uh, but there was lots of episodes in the middle that I felt were just making forward progress in a good way. Well, one of the things I think that, I mean, that's 10 episodes. They have a lot of characters. And I mean, I did want to know. Every every time we turned it on, I watched it with my sister and brother-in-law. I was like, yes, can we find out what happened to Jeevan or, you know, what happened to Frank? But um but I still, you know, was happy to watch a whole episode about Severn City Airport or mm. about Miranda and Arthur, because if, if they had jumped around, I feel like it would have felt more like a, well, it would have, you know, it, it, a kind of soap opera. I mean, especially the sort of, you know, famous, famous actor and uh, many wives thread sure. of the story. But, uh, but. Yeah, I, I got used to it. It did take some getting used to. But I thought the first episode was kind of perfect, the way it ended, um, not knowing what was going to come next, of course, but um, and especially with that Bob Dylan, uh, playing Bob Dylan, don't think twice, it's all right. It was like, oh, okay. Well, and, and that, showing <laughs> Kirsten grown up at the end of episode one, I do think was important yes, in saying- I forgot that was at the end. This okay. is how- mm-hmm. It's going to go like we're not leaving you on a cliffhanger of what are they going to find out in the snow? Because next week you're not going to see that. So we're going to say, no, but she was okay, And here she is now. And what's she doing? Find out next week. Right. And then and then Mm. to John's point, I I think I view the center of the of, of Station Eleven as year 20. The story that we starting with that moment at the end of episode one. And so all of the stuff that's like, what were their lives before? is like a lost flashback. But um, I can see it either way. I mean, I think they dropped the first... Did they drop the first two or three episodes of this? I I think the first episode is interesting in that it's not representative of sort of the main thrust of the show. Um, th- an interesting choice for them to do it that way. And then episode mm-hmm. two feels a lot more like what the rest of the show is. No, that makes sense. I, I, I don't remember. I mean, mostly we only watched them one at a time after they had all been released, or most of mm. them had been released. But um, there were certain nights where we were like, oh, let's watch another one, even though it's gonna we're going to be up late. And also, this movie, not just me, my, my family as well, gave us very weird dreams. Um, I mean, not movie, but this series, watching it, definitely it, it entered my, my psyche. And every week it was like, I know I'm going to watch it, but what will I dream about this week? And yes, the first three episodes all dropped at once. So if you got to that moment and you thought, oh, she's now an adult, you could go on to the next one if you wanted to. Although they all feel like one of the other things I want to praise the show about is that they all feel like individual episodes. It doesn't feel Mm -hmm. like they just stopped in the middle and it's really a 10 hour movie, man. Right. Like (laughs) there's there's episodes where like this is the episode where this stuff happens. And I like that. I like it. It's a TV show. I like that. It feels like a TV show. Uh, yeah, speaking of a TV show versus a movie or whatever, I, I have no idea why this was in my mind, but but it was. I started. I, I knew this was a book people had recommended to me, but for whatever reason, I started watching the show, and I was like, oh, it's a new HBO series, and it's about the end of the world. I'm going to start watching it. And for like 
I don't know, the majority of the run, like past maybe into episode six or seven, I was thinking to myself, this is going to be like Game of Thrones. It's a H- new HBO show, uh, and this is season one, <laughs> and there's going to be a bunch of episodes or whatever. And as we're approaching the end, I'm like, huh, I wonder what season two of the show is going to be like. <laughs> and I'm like, why do you think there's going to be more than one season? Like, and it just, it, it didn't, like, so I was... It's not the fault of the show, but I was watching the entire series as if this was going to be like a seven year, you know, uh, six, six season type of thing. Because I had no idea about the plot of the book. I'm like, uh, you know, and it and there's plenty of room for it because they do the 20 year jump, but like they could fill in all that other stuff. They could extend that into the future. They've established a good universe here. Like this could have in theory gone. And once I realized, oh, no, they're this is the whole book and they're going to finish it in 10 episodes. Then I was like. It, may, it reframed how I had seen every part of the show up until that point. And I'm like, well, how can I wrap this up in two or three episodes? And it was, it was an interesting misconception I had about it. It is, the, it is a lot of people who worked on Watchmen, which was a similar thing where they're like, oh, maybe there will be more seasons. No, they, they yeah, won't I didn't have that, but I, I knew that about Watchmen, but I felt like the story in Watchmen was clearly building towards a thing. I'm like, well, this is, this is one complete story. But Station Eleven, it seemed to me, wasn't wasn't building towards a traditional ending i don't th- and i don't think it had one you know because it wasn't mm-hmm. it's not as if the problem is uh, you know how do we survive at the end of the world because that that's solved in episode one they go 20 years in the future and they're okay right you know so it's it was it's kind of like it's building towards a character resolution but yeah. even the character resolution is not 100 percent pat you know tied up in a bow and resolved as you write your life story you're far from finished are you looking to close the book on your job Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. I think the question of Jeevan was uh, like a big emotional driver for me because right. I cared what happened to Frank, but I really cared what happened to Jeevan <laughs> and they kept not telling you. And I was like really worried for Jeevan. And, uh, but I, I think you're like, it is like the, the characters and relationships and it feels very literary probably in part because mm-hmm. of the frame of the Shakespeare play and how they use it. I don't know if they do the same thing in the book, but especially Hamlet. And then also the Station Eleven uh, graphic novel uh, as sort of two complementary literary pieces kind of pulling it together, which was very interesting and enjoyable to me as, as sort of a reoccurring theme and trope they could kind of keep coming back to. And they sort of relate and then they also don't relate at all. Um, and then the, like the whole, I don't know if we want to talk about the ending, we can save it, but like the, how the Hamlet comes through into the ending and then becomes Mm -hmm. part of that. Like, I didn't see that part coming, even though it's so like, oh yeah, how you can fit the characters into the roles of Hamlet to kind of create that emotional conclusion was very clever and enjoyable. Yeah. And it starts, it starts with uh, Arthur Leander as King Lear dying on stage at the very beginning. Gal Mm -hmm. Garcia Bernal, who I love. He's great. Mm-hmm. He's great in everything. Yes. Um, and then it, it ends with the very, very on point Hamlet. <laughs> yes. It was like, oh, it's so obvious once they are like, oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, you're you're a kid. You're a kid who's sort of a leader and kind of wants to uh, to, to hate his mother. You be Hamlet. 
<laughs> Speaking of uh, books within a book or movie within a movie or works of art within other works of art, uh, again, this is not what the show is about, so it was mostly fine, but it did it did tweak on me a little bit that, like, this is, uh, you know, the title of the series is a work of fiction that doesn't exist anywhere outside of this other work of fiction, Station right. Eleven, the, the graphic novel, which is important for multiple reasons, right? And some of them arguably a, a little bit, uh, you know, interestingly coincidental, whatever. But the bottom line is you've got a little bit of the Studio 60 or Marvelous Mrs. Maisel problem where you do have to make this second work of fiction inside your first work of fiction that is so important to the lives of the people in your story, presumably because it's, you know, it's impactful and meaningful and Mm -hmm. good, right? And it's challenging to do that. And this show made it much harder because they included Shakespeare, which is a real thing Uh. (laughs) that that is fairly well regarded uh, in the world. And so, no, we don't see much of Station Eleven. Maybe they go into more in the book. We just see bits and pieces of it. And it's enough for you to say, well, I can imagine that probably if I saw the whole graphic novel, it would be amazing. That's that's the key, right? Is that it's chopped up. (laughs) And they did. They they have an artist, a really talented artist who was tweeting about it uh, while Mm -hmm. the show was airing. Do pages. Um, of it based on the dialogue but they do I think a really good job of keeping us away from Station Eleven the graphic novel <laughs> enough that we just have to take it as read that it's brilliant and it's a little pretentious <laughs> even the pages we yeah. see well, though somebody, and they like, okay. on that right somebody's <laughs> like, like this is this is super pretentious this, this, no wonder it didn't get published or whatever I like, mean <laughs> I can understand why it would be important to Miranda she made it it's the thing that she needed to make for sure right I can also kind of understand why it would be important to Miranda's ex-husband maybe but when it starts being meaningful and important to strangers or to children of the friend of the whatever and it's like uh, it's quite a little coincidence I know it just well, has to propel the plot of the story so who cares like but a piece though like it becomes important not necessarily because it's good is how I interpret it but because it is a thing from before yeah yeah, that yep. is a marker and yeah, it but, is, but it the is same thing for all those people like but I understand it, but, what, like, it, it, but it's not for all those people right it's the creator of it and then it, it mm-hmm. is for Kirsten it's the it's like the only book that she has and it's a representative and of Arthur to Arthur and then yeah. for Arthur's son as well right <laughs> mm-hmm. it's a very yeah. powerful book it spawns an entire cult it and, does and tears, the son, tears the son away from his mother yes <laughs> In it's the, a lot in the yeah, yeah it is that's i do know. like they have like also you see the graphic novel through the play that kirsten makes yeah with that's Frank. i love the play and the costumes and so that uh. was kind of like a clever uh like sort of way of letting us glimpse into the story as well without mm-hmm. showing us the whole thing yeah i uh t- talking about that the there's also the astronaut that we see mm-hmm. from time to time that we actually see the character mm-hmm. from the 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 graphic novel I I love that. So I think this is a beautifully shot show. I love the visual um, palette, the way that the show is shot. I love in the po- in the it's not a pilot episode in episode one how they toggle between pre and post apocalypse scenes, so you can see the mm-hmm. same place and it's, there's a hard cut and it's twenty years later, uh, like yeah. the, like in the in the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, at the gas station, it, it does that too. I like the visuals of it, and I I think the astronaut thing is beautiful however i am i'm gonna say i think that the early episodes of this show have a level of visual ambition that the show can't pay off and i don't know whether that whether they maybe things change during covid or what i don't know what the reason is but like 
after watching all 10 episodes, I thought, well, they only really do that cool toggling between then and now in episode one. And the astronauts, like, the astronaut was cool, but. I mean, didn't, you, didn't need they're the trying to sell you that it that it <laughs> it means a lot to. They're trying to sell you on the fact that it means a lot to the characters, but it doesn't yet mean a lot to the viewer because the no. viewer doesn't have any connection to Station Eleven, and they never show us enough of it. Like that's why I feel like it works better with King Lear and Hamlet because we're already familiar with those works, right. and so they can show you snippets of scenes, and we get the we get the connection right away between what's happening in these characters lives and what's happening in the world of the play and the whole show is a little bit of like a you know theater kid fantasy apocalypse where it's like after everyone's <laughs> gone finally we'll be the roving like i, I think yeah. the importance of theater in this post-apocalyptic world is uh a low percentage chance of happening. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, there's no TV. I mean, there's no TV that, or movies, know, right? Like, That's the idea. They should, shouldn't you be farming is what I feel uh, like saying. To <laughs> well, most people are, right? It's just that the traveling symphony is going around and, and trying to bring culture into these people's yeah, lives. They can continue to have their same theater kids fights no matter how many, how much the rest of the planet is killed. It's like, oh, I was the director and I you, oh, we yeah. had artistic differences <laughs> and I left to live on the golf course. And it's like, yep, that'll, <laughs> that'll just keep happening. <laughs> Now, David Cross yeah. annoyed everybody, and he finally left. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that brings to mind the whole, I have to bring it up at some point, survival is insufficient, which is their motto of the traveling theater. And um, I only found out from, I should, I might have noticed it, but I didn't really know until I read the book that it's it's a quote from Star Trek Voyager. Um mm-hmm. But I like that in the show itself, so that wasn't meant, they didn't mention Star Trek, and there is a couple of Star Trek references there are in the book, but they did have an awesome Independence Day callback with the guy. Yeah, and, a, and an original series Star Trek callback as well, which I thought was great. There's, there, there's definitely some classic stuff in there. Yeah. So that's so. good. Um, I want to talk about some of the characters, but I, I, I following this thread about Station Eleven, the graphic novel, I want to talk about... The prophet, the the threat early on in this is that there is a sinister cult out there that's threatening the traveling symphony. And there's a guy, there's a couple of guys and they're, they're like visiting and he, he mispronounces, um, uh, a city in Michigan, which I noticed that he mispronounced, right? I'm mm-hmm. like, that. that's not the name of now I'm, now I'm forgetting what it is. Mackinac. Oh man. Yeah. He says Mackinac. It's not. It's Mackinac, and uh, and she calls him on it and and, and stabs him, which is quite, a, quite <laughs> one of my favorite scenes in the whole moment. show. Because oh, what yeah. that what that showed is, all right, so the guy comes on the scene. He's the prophet. He's super creepy nope. the second we see him. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, but he's Our, no. He's like he's just like Joe or whatever. Like, I'm just a guy, and they're like, no, yeah, no, you're like, <laughs> and, and then and, and so having having Kirsten say, you know, like she doesn't trust him too, and how does she deal with that? Stab him. Stab because him. how do you mm-hmm. live for 20 years in the pot? That's like really informed her character, the fact that she's got the knife on her all the time, that she will kill you in a second. Because if she wasn't like that, we would have fast forwarded 20 years and she'd be, she wouldn't be there. Right. That's all the people right. who are left at this point. Even the people in the traveling symphony. They survived. Are the people who understand that if, if a guy's giving you a little creepy vibe, don't like interrogate him or just, or just noodle on it for seven episodes. Just stab him. Now yep. she didn't finish the job, you know, whatever, but like her instincts were good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and later later there's a line that I that I thought was really funny although I'm not sure I'm not sure I agree with it where they're like why are you helping him and she says well stabbing him didn't work. <laughs> Yeah, right. So I'll try this. And so yeah, I'll try I was this. like, stab him again. You, just, what, or, or, like, what? you failed to kill him. Like, maybe that was your mistake. So here, 
the the prophet it turns out is the, in the one big twist that happens in this show I, I would say in terms of the you know shocking yeah. moment where Not something much is of a twist it's really it it pretty strongly it, well i mean if there is one this is it which is yeah. that which is the tyler arthur's kid who is sort of like at the airport and there's the people who there's the like one survivor from the plane and they want to isolate him and instead they kill him um and they make them quarantine in the jet and he's super disaffected and he basically fakes his own suicide and heads off and and it's like oh he's the prophet that that kid at the Severn City Airport is going to go off and become the guy we've seen who's the who's the hippie cult leader anyway so that's again the whole point of this are there a lot of coincidences well yes that's what this whole book is about everybody is sort of strangely connected to everybody else and the if if the at the end of the credits uh it showed like Miranda walking into town having walked all the way from wherever she got off a boat from Malaysia right it would be like okay I guess she lived after all because it's that kind of story mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. here's what I wanted to say about it. that's all good the, but the prophet later on we spend a lot of time with the prophet trying to deal with his family life and his emotions and he's got a plot where he wants to destroy his thing that's kind of like a PSP but it's actually like a I don't know an internet device of some kind that's not quite a phone that he's downloaded wikipedia onto because he wants to destroy everything about the past and it's not it's i i have some questions about that but the whole idea is there is like his mother is there and how are they going to connect and and kirsten is there and how is she going to reconnect and these people are connected to arthur and all that's going on right and at the beginning it's like super creepy guy and we're going to stab him the part that, that that gives me that i i can't buy in this whole show is in, at the end of episode, oh, which episode is it? Four, where we meet David Cross as the annoying director who has decided to go live on the golf course. Um, the hippie cult leader said children as suicide bombers mm-hmm. to kill He, he didn't the really guy. send them, Did though. he? What not, they were they, trying to say unclear. is that because he wasn't there to interpret the scriptures for them, they interpreted it themselves and decided what they should do is be suicide bombers. And that's, that was, they tried to, to, to unwind that by saying, oh, no, that totally wasn't me. They did that on their own right. because they were misguided. I only raised them in the cult and left right. them with the book. But as soon as, yeah, their, their brains are so scrambled that as soon as I'm not there to make sure they don't kill people, they immediately turn into suicide bombers. Yeah. So that, that's, I guess that's my problem with it is that, 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 didn't work for me and it really prejudiced me against him for the rest of it. I mean, I'm like, you should be prejudiced against him because of his whole thing of like, I need to destroy the, the Wikipedia stuff oh, yeah. because, yeah, because then, my life was bad. I, but, but, yeah. I don't know. Children, children of suicide bombers is pretty bad though. Uh, it's pretty bad. But, but, you know, they didn't, they didn't, again, the, the show didn't make it, uh, didn't make it seem like he was sending them. And immediately after they went off, he got to say, I totally didn't send them. And, and everyone in the show believed him. So I assume <sighs> that that's true. Uh, but yeah, just having a a child cult, like again, like at that point, I had stopped thinking about well, how are these kids, you know, who's feeding these kids? How do they survive? <laughs> Where do they live for shelter? Why are these children attracted to him? Why do they care about the Station Eleven book that he reads them? Like, it's you just have to kind of take it as it, it almost becomes kind of like a. Uh, like a parable or whatever, where it's like, or there's lots of fantastical elements yeah. where Don't if it was literally. a fantasy novel, we, we wouldn't worry about it too much. But, you know, so that it, it became, everything in the show is so heightened that it kind of becomes, this is kind of an allegory for that. And that's kind of, you know, and I just, I was into that vibe by the end there. Although I do agree that like the, 
that type of threat where, you know, that's a kind of a Walking Dead type threat where there's a, a large coordinated plot against you and you don't realize it by the other group of humans and there's a big episode where things blow up. The show only did that really in the golf course and then it went back to talking about people's feelings. <laughs> I, I think those kids were attracted to him because they are after and you have this entire yeah. community and society who's still really focused on the before. I mean, right. as people, we still talk about the before, but everything's changed and they don't have any memory or recollection. Life just is what it is. And so that was my thinking about what attracted them. It's like they just have no context for the past. Everyone's they, hanging they got on. They torn away from and, their parents in some cases, though. And it's like, yeah. I think they'd stick with their parents. But anyway, it's it. he is he's shown to be somewhat charismatic. I just I'm not sure children. I think teenagers would be more drawn to him than than outright children. Uh, but, you know, that's again, that's not much of the point. Like those kids basically go away and we don't have to see them again for a while because they're just waiting outside the airport I guess for the end of the series (laughs) I think also he's he bridges that gap between being mature enough to come across as like a big brother but he's really emotionally stunted and immature Mm -hmm. at the same time so he can relate to them in a way that maybe their parents couldn't um and maybe their parents were like overly i say overly from the child's perspective overly protective or whatever and he's more like you know like whatever i ran away when i was a kid you know so we can we can totally do you know live on this very dangerous vessel and Sure. Roam the forest and do whatever, you know? Who's Kirsten's friend who who was a super attracted to Tyler too? Alex. Let's, yeah. And that yeah, that's Alex. I was gonna say that, that talking about the before and the after is really important because that is one of the big themes of this. And the, the idea that the traveling symphony is trying to keep the flame alive, the counter argument is from Alex's generation and younger, which is they never saw the before. There's that funny exchange trying to explain how smartphones and the internet worked. Um, they just never saw it and they, and they don't really understand it. And that's, that's the question, right? Is like, what's the, what's the, it, we're trying to keep the flame alive. People who've never lived in civilization, how do they feel about civilization? And, 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 you know, Alex is, is like not that into it. Yeah, that, well, the, I think the theater people are not well equipped to have that argument. But I feel like it's, <laughs> you could you could pretty easily win that argument if you wanted to, because it, yeah. like I understand where they come from. Like, look, your people, like the before people, you killed everybody, you you know the, destroyed the planet or whatever. And I goes, well, uh, you know, they're, they're basically on the page of like it was an engineered virus type of thing. Like that's what they're saying. Yeah, it's like, like, well, no, the it show was really, really an accident, but you know, all of those, all the the canned uh, food that was also us, right? I was gonna say like <laughs> antibiotics and hospitals are good. <laughs> like, you know, it's not all bad, right? Uh, how much of, of your day do you want to spend farming? We could reduce that number. Like, it's, it's anyway. It, it, I don't know what the timeline's like, like how long it would take for society to reform or whatever. But and, you know, is that one copy of Wikipedia the only thing like libraries don't exist? I, I don't know. The, sh- the show needs it to be the show needs the people to be not super interested in reestablishing society so that you can have this kind of so you can have these people who are sort of still grappling with, uh, you know, the people from the before versus the people after. But but really, I feel like most of the people in this show 
are grappling with issues in their life that would they'd also be grappling with if there was no pandemic, right? Because right? it's sure. like their personal relationships that got mother and father issues and, you know, are, are the artistic things that, you know, the, the marriage and artistic uh, drive uh, that uh, is, uh, you know, pushing Miranda to make Station Eleven. And I suppose Kirsten, you know, separation from her parents and Jeevan and everything is definitely pandemic related, but that could have been just her parents died and she ends up in a foster home like that I feel like is the part of the show that I was that the show was most interested in that I was most connecting with. And it's mostly not related to the apocalypse. It is right characters and relationships and emotional issues that <laughs> they manage to work through during the apocalypse. Yeah, the, and the apocalypse becomes uh yeah, it's a part of the process of of working through your feelings. Yeah, it's, it's not a help classic. probably. Probably um, doesn't help, but well, you mentioned also I will say that in the in the conflict between before and after you have you have Clark, who's a character that we haven't mentioned before, who's a very interesting character who does some interesting things, but he has, I would say, a bit of an unhealthy obsession with the before, and he creates mm-hmm. the Museum of Civilization, which uh, then the prophet uh, blows up. And uh, again, I, I think that I think there's even a line in there where it's like, look, there's lots of that stuff laying around out there. Like literally, everybody died. <laughs> there are hundreds and hundreds and thousands and millions of buildings full of all the same stuff that were in the museum of civilization it's yeah. okay instead it's, of having a museum maybe like study how it works yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. It's not- so th- that's what i mean is it's it's like an unhealthy obsession with the before like the, and you could argue the whole airport is is like this bubble that is trying to not move into wherever the world is going to go but yeah. sort of stay where they are and so you get that push and pull that's interesting about like hippie cult leader who wants to like destroy destroy everything from the b- before but the truth is the after is where they all live now so you can't really deny it but Pl- clark's biggest hang-up though still is has nothing to do with the apocalypse yes he's a little bit obsessed with the past but his big hang-up is you know being jealous of someone he thought was less talented who yeah. was more successful and that that carries straight through the apocalypse does yep. not abate right <laughs> not for 20 years everybody's dead right he's just he's he's still that's what he's grappling with. And also, yes, yeah, civilization has gone and make this little museum. But I feel like his emotional arc and his character arc is all about his relationship with, uh, what's his name? Uh, Arthur. Yeah, with Arthur. And and yeah, also, with, I mean, uh, the fact that Arthur dies on stage before the before pandemic the happens, right. it, it's like that perfect thing of like, he is beyond the the veil mm-hmm. completely like you can't blame it, the apocalypse on not getting your revenge on him mm-hmm. or yelling like mm-hmm. he was already gone he never had to live through any of this he just was right. gone he, he didn't need to deal with his ex-wife because she disappeared as well and like and clark is there saying how does he how does this guy get so lucky <laughs> and we're <laughs> and we're here in this airport uh. yeah. ready to elevate your home picture this central heating a cozy fireplace or your dream walk-in closet build a backyard oasis go green with solar panels or start a business it's all possible with figures home equity line of credit unlock up to four hundred thousand dollars apply online in five minutes funding in as little as five days head to figure.com and transform your home figure lending llc dba figure equal opportunity lender nmls 1717824 terms and conditions apply visit figure.com for more information for licensing information go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org let's uh, let's talk about some of the other uh actors and characters in it that that um mm. i, I want to start with with kirsten because two great performances including in one episode together which i thought was very clever mackenzie davis mm. and matilda lawler as adult and young kirsten some a real i think triumph of 
casting and direction because yeah. um, they both feel like the same person. And also, I think, two really good performances. I think Mackenzie Davis has to carry a lot of this show herself, and uh, and she does it. And it's fascinating to see this girl who we first meet as a, a young girl and then have to figure out, you know, what happened in the last 20 years. Now you carry a knife, you stab a guy. What else is going on here? Uh, I, I thought a really good performance by, by her and a, a really good character. She was phenomenal. She was mm-hmm. so good. When episode one ended and they showed the adult Kirsten I thought wait a minute are we done with young Kirsten because I just want to watch her <laughs> right like mm-hmm. she was so good We're and really not so thankfully we are not uh, not at all I mean nothing against Mackenzie Davis and I thought you know she was she was great as quote old Kirsten but she was oh. um that that little girl I, I mean she was hauntingly good so that was one of the good, like, sort of more realistic apocalypse things of uh, having a kid, uh, any show that has a kid act like kids. And so this kid is in a, in, a, in a ridiculous situation of, you know, the world is ending and you're rescued by this stranger, essentially, and you're living with him. And the way they had her deal with it is sort of disassociating and becoming obsessed with the play all reads very realistic versus her just being instantly the tough little kids that you might get on a Walking Dead type of show. She's messed up from the go. Um, and in ways that no one around her can help her with. Uh, and it's so it, you know, and when she becomes a also slightly messed up, uh, adult that totally makes sense. I feel like this, that's the through line of like, there's plenty, there was people helping her, but like no one could actually help her deal with, well, now your parents are dead and you're living with these strangers and you're not sure what the deal is and everyone else is dead too. And it's a dangerous world and you're obsessed with this book and the play and that actually made sense because it's like well what else what else is a kid going to do but you know sort of go outside their body and and uh, start concentrating on something that is of little consequence and then putting all of your hopes and dreams latched onto that and it makes perfect sense that she'd end up in the traveling symphony if she didn't get killed uh, which she didn't Mm -hmm. and then later in the series when they have her encounter the red bandanas and like kill like seven of her herself again (laughs) says see this is why she's alive now and everyone else is dead Mm -hmm. because that's you know it's you don't get to see her travel the entire road, but that's why they feel so connected. She, that, she learned that, how to throw a knife. There is, there is a scene later on where we see young Kirsten practicing throwing mm-hmm. knives. And like, yeah. What else is there to do? <laughs> yeah. Good, good thing. Good, good thing to practice. And I have all the skins of the wolves mm-hmm. and the, you know, like hunting and everything. And that's even, that's, and she's still a little kid by then. Yeah. That's even, you know. Yeah. But it's also her abandonment issues where she lost her parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then and you finally you find that 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 haven with Frank and Jeevan and you lose them and you have to start all over. And then you see that repeated like that's the, her biggest fear is someone leaving her and she needs to keep everyone together. And you can't like she's just so because they're the characters who get off the wheel right in that town. Yes. And she's like, <laughs> yes, why would you leave Very the upset. family? They're like, but this is civilization. And she's like, mm, yeah, but this is our family and she's just really upset about the whole thing and uh, there is that really you know snippet of a scene where arthur tells clark she is uh you know he introduces kirsten young kirsten to clark kiki and uh and he's he i forget what he says but it's we're meant to think like things are not so peachy keen for kirsten at that time before the pandemic like not that she has a bad a terrible life, but her parents, you know, p- 
possibly aren't great parents to begin with. Yeah, who we never see, which I thought was great yeah. because it really is like a sense of loss of like our parents are just gone. We never see them. Like they're mm-hmm. they're gone because it's like they're just erased. Yes. Like, and you know, she just goes to her play yeah. one day and the next day she just doesn't go home, come home and she never sees them again. The, the phone the phone that you texted is uh, accompanying a dead body at the morgue. Is the text. Right. Just, oh, just so you God. know, if you're looking at this phone, those people are dead yeah. now. Yeah, that was really bad. Yeah, that yeah, was really And bad. I was thinking, don't they have passcodes on their phones? Mm. <laughs> like how? Yeah, you, you need you need that to work for the plot, touch so. ID. I I don't, um, okay, Hamish Patel as Jeevan. Jeevan is this dude who, when we first see him, he is uh, he has watched Arthur Leander collapse on stage and. and says he's having a heart attack and he's not a doctor his sister is a doctor he is not a doctor but he is the one who springs up to try and help him and he is beyond help as it turns out um this is really interesting to think about when you realize where jeevan ends up which is (laughs) as a doctor just trying to help people that is that (laughs) is the the beginning and end for jeevan but in the middle a lot of stuff happens uh and then he ends up with his girl where he's like i'll just take you home and the world ends and so he can't get her home they go to her house which is a also a really dark scene where there's like there's nobody there and you're like are her parents dead inside are they dead somewhere Mm -hmm. else but they're probably dead and so they you know they go shop and tell that guy the clerk at the at the store probably should leave <laughs> and he does and they because go to, of that thing yeah yeah oh uh, so that's such a that's a great <laughs> scene in the book and it's a great scene in the movie and the fact that in the background you see him leaving while they're in the parking lot is so great and then they end up at his brother frank's uh, apartment in chicago uh, how do they get those shopping carts up there though seriously well a lot that's of trips lot of in the elevator carts. there's probably a freight elevator. freight elevator i know but that's like seven trips that's all i'm saying yeah yeah <laughs> what else were they gonna do yeah, they, <laughs> yeah. They, maybe they had a lot of time there so um so jeevan ends up with this girl and is her protector and then he and his brother are with her for months and then he leads her out not with us not knowing at the time what's happened which is that his brother has died and 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 his uh, brother wasn't going to leave that apartment anyway because his brother like again pre-pandemic his brother's got problems that are not pandemic related and those problems do not stop when the pandemic comes exactly when when they were going to go it's like you know it's like oh the pandemic is going to you know he's going to have someone to care for and it's going to make him overcome his nope he doesn't and (laughs) and jeevan um you know, gets is just exhausted by it. It's the end of the world, and he has to take care of this kid who he doesn't, he didn't even know, and he he's crushed by the responsibility, and he has a bad moment, and he throws Station Eleven into the snow, and he he held that in for like six months. I thought the show yeah. did such a good job of having that just simmering because you know, like even in the first episode, the first episode is the whole tension of like, well, this is a strange kid, so you could be like, well, who usually picks you up? Um, well, I guess I'll just drop you off at your house well no one home but you have a key right and it's just and so it just builds and builds and you see like the the weight of the responsibility but also essentially the resentment like it's hard enough to keep myself alive and i have to take care of this kid who i have you know i don't know you from anybody but now suddenly (laughs) now suddenly i am responsible for your entire life on top of the world ending yeah and you know whatever many episodes that last until he just has an outburst and and as you would imagine with a kid, it's a, it's a thought that had not particularly occurred to her before then because kids don't think that way. But yeah, yeah so was... he goes to get the station 11 and is mauled by a wolf. <laughs> oh, okay. That was the twist. <laughs> 
Okay. In terms of like mm. the jump moment of like, yeah, I, I'd finally like calmed down into watching Station Eleven and then boom. It was did, like, you, oh did you think, God. did anyone think uh, at that point, because the show will kind of change this, thinking that he, he just couldn't handle responsibility anymore and he left? No, yeah. I thought he was dead. I, I thought it was dead too. Was dead, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, right. I thought he was dead. I mean, cause it was clear that Kirsten kind of thought he left. Like, that's what the show makes for a long yeah, time. Yeah. Kirsten thinks like, well, I don't know, but one day he just wasn't there anymore. And maybe he died, you know, or maybe he left me. Or maybe I, he was badly injured and then <laughs> kidnapped and taken to a maternity center. But, right. you know, probably not that one. One of those three things yeah. for sure, though. Underlying <laughs> everything, he has a deep affection for her. Um, he, you know, he grows to love her and I never for a second thought, oh yeah, he's, he's bailed. Um, so I thought, yeah, he's, he's definitely dead. I did not, it did not occur to me that he would have been kidnapped. Um, but yeah, like, like I didn't think that he'd gone out for milk and just didn't, didn't come home. Right. He went back to do a total Jeevan thing, which is he has that one outburst and you got to do the right thing. So I got to go back out and get the book and just, you know, bad luck. But like it it was, I would have been more disappointed if they had showed an episode where the two of them had some kind of adventure and he died in the process because it was just much better for uh, having her think another person disappeared from my life. And yeah, he's probably dead because it's a dangerous world, but maybe he just left me and just having her sit with that. Cause that's, you know, the, her big hang up of just like, I can't have these people, you know, everyone leaves me and you know, I, I, I can, I don't have any kind of stability. Even mm-hmm. him getting like sort of trapped in the maternity ward and like he wants to go back because he needs to go take care of Kirsten. But then he also feels this obligation mm-hmm. towards all these women. And he's like, I just got to do this and then I'm going to leave. And then like all the, the barriers when he, to, to him getting back. And when he finally does, she's gone. And it, we don't really know how long it is, but it's a, enough time for her to sort of move on and then like, what do you do? Do you keep looking for her endlessly or do you sort of like start rebuilding your life? And I, yeah, I feel like it was a viable also, thing that happened to he's, him. He's horribly wounded. They save him. Yeah. He feels like he needs to pitch in. Also, it's not quite a misery situation, but it is a little bit like. It is a little. It, it, am I yeah. <laughs> free to, really free to go or am I being held hostage here by well, these Well, I people? mean, I, I feel like he's being held hostage by who he is because like he, this whole show is like, he has to, he feels like he has to take care of the whole world. Whoever it is that he's with, yeah. he feels yeah. the response. Like, yeah. that's why he runs up on stage. It's yep. like, I'm responsible for all of humanity. So if, <laughs> if there is a human in need, I will leap up from my seat, even though there's nothing I can do. <laughs> I'm like, why, why didn't anyone else leap up? So when he's there with all the pregnant women, you think he's going to bail on them? He feels responsible for Kirsten, but he also, he, he, he has responsibility for these people. And is he a doctor? No, but he'll do what they, like... He is so, and so by the end of the show of him literally being the guy that takes care of everybody in his village, it makes perfect sense because that is who he is through and through the whole show. I like their reunion too, where it is like, we still love each other and have affection and are happy to be reunited, but it's not like they're going to like pick up their lives and be together as a family. They are just going to continue their lives and maintain that connection. That felt like a relief. I I know it's just very relieving to have them back together <laughs> yeah i felt like yeah. it was a it was a big payoff i mean i don't know if this is what yeah. the show was going for but i was like that that now she knows that he 
like he didn't leave her even though they don't say she doesn't say to him hey why did you leave me and he says oh i didn't i got mauled by a wolf and then had to help pregnant ladies like there's just a look <laughs> exchange where it's understood that yeah. like we both thought the other person was dead right yeah and now we both know that's not true and that is a healing moment for both of them because he knows that he, he, he was responsible for this girl and it turns out she's still alive so he did his job and she knows he didn't actually leave me he just you know I'm, I'm assuming eventually they'll talk and say yeah wolf ate my toes off yeah <laughs> we genuinely my husband and i had a moment where we looked at each other and we were like they're not really gonna let them pass like two ships in a night in the night are oh, they, 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 we, they wanted they you to think twice. that a little yeah. bit they yeah. really and we really did we were like this is this is just barely the kind of show <laughs> where they might do that <laughs> We'll get and back I was, together in season two. It's like it's like yeah. a Game of Thrones. Well, I'll tell you more about your your uh, pe- your mother when we meet again. I, th- I think you, you're thinking of Station Twelve, well, the inevitable Station Twelve. They with, found another novel. Uh, talk about that before and after thing too. Like he is their relationship is from the before, right? And so uh, on that way, at the end when they part, like she's going back with family and. Uh, and he, even though he was kind of her family for a while, he's also from the before and this is the after and he's got his own family now. And it's just, it's a very rich moment, but yeah, it is. That, that's what the whole show is building toward is the moment where they're reunited. And it's a deeply mm-hmm. emotional moment because now we've seen everything that both of them went yeah. through, right now. We we've seen all of that. And now we also know uh, it turns out that the Jeevan, uh, found a calling um has a family in a community and he is he is now the doctor that you know his uh his sister was but he well, he wasn't he didn't go to medical school well he went to me- the medical school of the apocalypse john which i know is just, <laughs> like, studies. he knows how to read some books uh, i know i just i just feel like the quality the, the bar for doctor has got a lot lower oh, yeah, well it's true but i think he's among the top doctors in his field maybe a, a higher percentage <laughs> up than uh than his sister was but there's let's say very few doctors left though so that's why seven seven of eight years of medical training aren't you know none of that uh, stuff that they learned is even applicable anymore because they don't have any of the drugs or equipment. Yeah, it's not apocalypse so, doctoring. It's a it's an apocalypse it, doctoring. I think it's. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he wants to introduce leeches again, who who's going to argue with yeah. him? Yeah, well, so he, mm-hmm. you know, anyway, it's it's a beautiful thing that he's got kids and he's in a community and he is a healer and you know and has to be called to the Severn City Airport in order to deal with what's going on there. But but it's a. Uh, I don't know. Just it's his relationship with Kirsten is at the heart of this show. And I really like Hamish Patel and his performance here. He was in mm-hmm. Yesterday, which is a fun, silly movie. And so like that I liked him in that. But uh, he's great here as Jeevan. It's Jeevan and Kirsten. It's like that's what the show is really about in the end. Right. So before the show got to that, you know, in the beginning of the show, when it wasn't clear that that was going to be the heart of the show, I was really invested in Miranda. Because I felt like, well, she's wrote Station Eleven, yeah. and she features heavily. She's got a whole episode about her, and I was super interested in her. And then she drops her keys while heading to the boat, and I was like, oh no, yeah, <laughs> this, mm-hmm. this does not bode well for Miranda featuring heavily in the rest of this series because she's on the other side of the world. And I was really rooting against her suddenly showing up, and you know, right? She gets and, on that. Sh- you're like, is she going to get on a ship? And then in the last and episode, she's going to be gonna in gonna Chicago. Appear? Like that's a long mm-hmm. trip, and so she didn't, and we just have to assume that yeah, you know, she didn't make it. She was there. She was stuck with uh, what's his name from uh, Veep, 
And, yep. that, you know, that's not going to end well because he's not the best <laughs> of the best. Uh, <laughs> but I really loved her character of her sort of like, again, nothing to do with the end of the world. She had some struggles and some demons and it was a very interesting person with a lot of drive and ambition and lots of very interesting strengths and also weaknesses and her marriage to the weird, you know, actor guy and how that didn't go. Well. I just I was rooting for her and the sort of great work that she created this station 11 thing it made perfect sense with her character even if the thing actually ended up being terrible i i wanted her to finish it i I disliked arthur for not understanding what she was going through and for you know cheating slash not really cheating with uh what's her name the blonde lady um and then she's off on her own and she's she's in the shipping and logistics and fulfillment things and just i was so into her and then yeah she doesn't really well, I mean, she does true. She does come back again, but it's just for the reveal that she's the one who tells the pilot on the plane at the Severn City Airport yeah, to lock that the was, doors. That was super weak, because why would they listen to this person, and why does it, does it have to be her? It's not meaningful that it's, it's her it's Station Eleven. A, I don't know, know coincidence. Yeah. Like, that's Gosh, silly. I disagree. Like, I, it's all connected. I liked it. No, I liked it, because I thought it was... It, it show, first of all, how would you get to a pilot on a plane? She would be able to figure that out, you know, like that. And then... That that she you know she, again the storyteller telling him her story and uh, and you know saying those people are the ones sitting on the counter. I it's, thought it was good, and so, it's all about the know. feelings anyway, right? That happened to be the plane where her or you know where that airport. It could have been any airport anywhere in the world, but anyway, it, it's it's not. It's like, all about they the feelings. That, they saved mm-hmm. that for the end, but like at that point, like the law of conservation of characters and the way the show operated led you to believe, like, well, of course it's gonna uh, Tyler's gonna be the son, and of course it's gonna be Miranda talking yeah. to the pilot because those are all the characters left in the show. Right. <laughs> well, and she just had to convince one person, not the entire flight, right? Uh, just... Yeah, we had a separate series inside that planet. Like, how strong are oh, those man. doors? <laughs> yeah, there's a whole in season two. They'll have a whole flashback to all the horrible <laughs> things that that guy had to get through in order to survive in that plane only to just oh, be shot geez. to death as soon as he stepped outside. Uh-huh. So, I, I mean, yeah. like they have a hard enough time, uh, you know, captains with their little reinforced door, door have a hard enough time getting people to put their seatbelts on and, and stop, <laughs> not get a last drink from the drink cart. Like, <laughs> just yeah. whereas in, in the pandemic, I feel like it w- the situation inside that plane would have been fairly dire. And despite the, uh, the good instincts of the pilot, but maybe they were it, already dead. They were sick. Time. They were really yeah. sick. Although with the guy they got out of the plane, was that supposed to be the pilot or is that no. just a random no, passenger? No, that was a random passenger. Yeah. Who yeah. didn't get it, who was immune. So, who some, somehow was, I guess he ate everyone else in the plane. I'm not sure how he was there that long. <laughs> Probably. No, they had a lot of snacks. Now. Yeah. Like It was a short flight and they hadn't really gotten rid of the catering. So, I don't know. <laughs> um, talk about law of conservation of characters. There's one character who is not, I think, conserved, who's just sort of randomly there, which I love, which is Enrico Colantoni as the yes. uh, agent oh, of the Museum of the Civilization. I was so of him. I was like, he's yeah. going to murder everyone. Yeah. yeah. He seems so creepy. And of course, I am sitting there having read the book and he says, I want to invite you to the Museum of Civilization. I'm like, oh. Oh, it's the airport. Yeah, this is going to be great. But it's so creepy in the moment. And Lauren and I are watching. She didn't read the book. And she's like, 
It's just like, yeah, it's Enrico Colantoni. It's super weird. Like, yeah, he is super weird. He's kind of channeling his uh, character in Galaxy Quest, where he's like, yeah. he's come to the yeah. Museum of Civilization. Uh, it's perfectly harmless, but also potentially incredibly dangerous, but harmless. And all we learn about him is that he used to be Elizabeth's agent, basically, and then he cracked up. He the the uh, apocalypse drove him him insane. He ran away and he came back at some point. And this, the details are never filled in. This will be another season two episode, John. <laughs> and uh, and uh, he's still not really normal, but he's you know happy and and smiley and wants people to come to the museum of civilization. So I just not not a character who's used for much of anything, but still just a le- delightful little grace note from an actor I like a lot from old Keith Mars mm, himself and Rico Colantoni. Yeah, Keith Mars, so good. He's in Travelers yeah, I, too. I, I, I really like Lori <laughs> Petty in this as well. Yes, I knew, like I, I saw her and I'm like, I know that actor. I've seen <laughs> her in tons of things, but who is that? Because she was just so sort of transformed. I just loved her whole vibe. Like you know, you totally see her in the Traveling Symphony. Yeah, being really like she's really super into the work that they do in a way that like the same way that someone obsessed in the before times would be just carried straight through. She's really interested in doing the right play at the right time in the right way. And who's going to be cast for and, and her, her squabbles with uh, With Gil. (laughs) Right. Oh man. And, and the hurt that she feels about that and how that, that's like the foundational thing in her life. And when he dies, she's, you know, and then she's on her deathbed as well. Like, it's just so like, she's so not interested in the apocalypse, but it's got so, so much more important things to deal with. And it's such a, a fun, interesting character. And it, yeah. it, it makes sense that she would be the one who could lure the wild child Kirsten into, you know, because otherwise, mm-hmm. it, like, why did Kirsten not kill her? Because she's Lori Petty and she did that thing. <laughs> she's talking to her with her keyboard and Kirsten's like, all right, yeah, sure. She's got her, C- her CD. Yeah, I like that performance. There is that moment where you're like, oh my God, that's Lori Petty. That's who that is. It's Tank Girl herself. Tank Girl is <laughs> right but here it's, in post-apocalyptic show. And you talk about the before and after again here, like the moment where it's clear that she's dying and Kirsten sees her from up in the vents and all of that. <laughs> and it's that moment. What are you doing up there? Like she's the founder and like she's going to be gone and she's been one of the key people to hold, the to keep the flame alive, right? And so that's the question. Like all of these people from the before are going to leave and what will they have left behind? And I, I you know, the fact that the traveling symphony is going to keep going, but they're changing and they're changing what is going to be on the wheel and they're going to go back to the airport and whatever else. Like it's all, um, I, I don't know. It's a really affecting scene when she's, um, laying there in the, in, in on the cot talking to Kirsten up in, <laughs> up in the ventilation shaft. Uh, mm-hmm. so, so weird, but good. Yeah. That's a great character. I like I like her. I like yeah that keyboard sitting out there on the tarmac, like on the on the road with her with her chair and her keyboard. Mm-hmm. Little yeah, girl her comes com- up her like her comedy. Glasses. Oh yeah, her comedy angle never goes away. She is comic relief on her own deathbed. Like she is just yep. always something about that character is <laughs> silly and kind of like I don't know like like. Uh, true to herself right the character is true to herself the character is a little bit silly the world's a little bit silly every time she's on the screen you just find yourself smiling a little bit even though she's just so weird yep what have we not mentioned there's so much here but what have we not mentioned that people want to mention up mention i want to talk about frank a little bit yeah let's talk about him specifically um so i've I've been really good and not talked about the differences between the book and uh the series because 
by and large, I think the series is so much better than the book, even though I did really enjoy the book. But one thing that they did with Frank in the series is they lessened his disability. Um, so in the book, he's, I think he's paraplegic. Yeah. Um, and in the series, he, you know, he has a limp and needs a cane. And uh, I saw some, I saw some upset online from, um, specifically from people uh, who are like wheelchair users who were like, this is erasure. Like, there was no point in making him uh, not paraplegic. You know, it, it served no purpose to the plot. And why? Why did this happen? And so I did want to, I wanted to bring that up, mention it specifically, because I know that that was something that was upsetting to a lot of people. Um, I also do want to acknowledge um, on the flip side of the coin, I also saw some discussion from people who were like, well, then it would have gone into kind of the um, inspirational disabled person trope that we often see. Um, and so it's a hard thing, but there's not a lot of representation for people who are wheelchair users. And that would have been nice to see. Um, I would like to know the reasons why they decided not to do that. I think it would have made a little bit more sense, too, to be honest, because they made Frank more like he's a recluse than, yeah. you know, somebody who might well, they gave not him go a, They gave him different. They, so they made him a heroin addict, right? And they also gave him, like, that he can't leave, hasn't left his apartment in years. Like, so he's, 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 he can't yeah. go outside. Just forget about the end of the world. He just can't go outside, and he's addicted to heroin. So they basically gave him enough things in the same way that you would expect, like, oh, well, it's going to be difficult for you to survive if we have to push you around in this chair. And so like the whole, like, you know, in the, in the apocalypse, this human life become less worth, uh, worth less because you can't, you're not fit enough to survive. And that could have been a whole angle. Like, I feel like the, the, uh, traveling symphony touches on that too, of having members who are like missing limbs and stuff. And it's like, here, everybody's welcome. We're not, we're not going to say, well, you're not tough enough. You're not one of the red bandanas. So you might as well just be dead. No, everyone's welcome. And everybody's life is worthwhile. But Frank doesn't make it to there because he just literally can't even leave the apartment. I, had, I, I It's interesting that he was so different in the book, but that in the show, they, I guess they still, they still wanted to have him not get out of the apartment. So they said like, why, you know, in in the book, was he a drug addict? In the book, could he not leave the apartment, or was he just in a wheelchair and that was it? I, I just read it. So I can tell you, he 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 didn't want to go. He didn't think he he he, he committed suicide, um, so that Jeevan could go on his own. My, I I would love to hear from the people who made the show why they made this choice, but I'm going to make a guess, which is that they decided that they didn't want to do a story that involved <laughs> saying to a person in a wheelchair, "Well, you're you you can't survive, it, right. so we're going to just let yeah. you die or whatever." And so they made it more by I making mean, they could him, have had him murdered the same way. I mean, by like ma- they could, right, you know. but by making him well, yeah, but there would have been this question of like is it obvious that he can't leave? I, I don't know. I think maybe they were trying to just evade that by making him disabled, but in a different way so that it called into question whether they were going to bring him or not instead. But I would love to hear why they made that change. Uh, yeah, but, I, but this pr- great, great performance, um, including the rapping love, that he does. Yeah. By, I by love Frank. Rizwan. 
Yeah, and he's sweet, and and he he is not like Jeevan in some ways. Well, <laughs> but they, they bit... totally read his brothers though, because they both have yeah. they both have mental hangups that are clear in the show. Like Jeevan and Frank, like you know, it's not clear in the beginning what Frank's issues are, but it's clear that he has them, right? And Jeevan is also from the moment we see him in episode one, clearly a little bit high strung minimum, right? Like that they're both sort of uncomfortable in their own skin and have. Like Jeevan is is dissatisfied with where with where he's achieved in life because his sister's a doctor and he's not and his brother is a famous author and he's not and the brother is like well I'm a famous author but actually I haven't written anything in two years and I can't leave the house and I'm addicted to heroin and like the both of them are just like you know have deep problems that they're not talking about for a lot of the time it was really heartbreaking when you know Frank gets murdered because they open the door uh, and then Jeevan has to leave him because the two of them are just like supports for each other through their through both of their struggles again most of which had nothing to do with the apocalypse and jeevan would have never have left him behind yeah well that's yeah that was i feel like it was part of frank i mean if he hadn't been murdered i'm not sure what frank would have done but frank's whole thing was like look i'm not yeah. i'm not leaving <laughs> like right. that, well was that even that was that a, a form of suicide itself that's what i wondered that, you yeah, know, I mean, but, that, but that's like when if you have an issue like that, like you know, if you can't if you can't leave your apartment and you haven't left it in two years, uh, do the odds of you leaving your apartment go up when the world is ending? Probably not, <laughs> right? No, and it's I don't think you know is Jeevan going to argue him into going? Is he going to bonk him over the head and carry him out? Like there's lots of ways that could go down, but none of them are really like oh well, Frank changed his mind, and he's going to leave now. Well, and you mm-hmm. have Kirsten in play where they both they both have that feeling of responsibility mm-hmm. to her so they would probably struggle i don't know well, well frank's whole thing is like i don't want to i don't want to slow you down i don't want to be a burden yeah. and he, he had like a mild limp and uh you know a heroin addiction that apparently he got over in six months and then ironically jeevan ends up you know maimed by a wolf <laughs> it happens <laughs> with and then has a severe limp Oh, that's true. And his doctor, wolf, like his sister, the too, toes, is becoming the a toes are the tastiest part. So, well, you can't blame the wolf. Jeevan mm. <laughs> toes. Monsters under your bed know it. The wolves know it. Everybody knows it. <laughs> what uh, What else haven't we covered that we should get to before we go? Uh, about the the ending of the show, right? Again, I, obviously, I had misconceptions of like this is going to be a multi season thing, and we're going to work through this world, and there's going to be different groups and blah blah blah. And I'm like, no, this is going to be one story. Uh, the show ends in a way that most shows about the end of the world do not have the courage to end, which is uh, we're going to, you know, resolve some character arcs, kind of, sort of, but a lot of people are still going to be in weird places and nothing about how the world continues on after the apocalypse is sorted out in any way whatsoever. It's just, this is, you know, we've told some stories, things have happened in people's lives, but it's not even like the the issues that people were dealing with are resolved they've just moved on to the next phase right so i I felt a lot like there are various phases of these people's lives and a few people entered a new phase but other people are still in the same phase and it seems like i i can picture them continuing their lives and having more phases of their life so it, it is kind of like the show just you know kind of like the soprano says and this is all you're going to get to see of this their lives continue on but you're just not going to see it but it leaves you, I felt, with the satisfying arc and ending where and I'm like, I don't actually want another season. I feel like I'm good. No. I feel like I saw the picture I needed to see and it feels very complete to me. So the way the book ends, well, or almost ends, 
that I, that is beautiful and is a last little bit of of theme that we don't quite get here is the book ends with them looking out over the countryside like using binoculars or a telescope or something and seeing that that like off outside of the wheel outside of where they have explored there's uh an entire town that they can see now lit up with electricity and it's this great moment of like it's coming back <laughs> like mm-hmm. other people are also out there and they are also keeping the flame alive and uh i love that ending here again i think the show is choosing a more personal ending which is in is fitting with what the what the show is all about that that uh life goes on and things change but the you know the wheel keeps turning and the traveling <laughs> symphony keeps moving and uh I-, I guess you know the cult keeps culting seeing a city lit up in the distance would not make any sense in this tv show like because that's not what this tv show is about at all we do not care and i watching the show it's like i don't care if people figure out how to turn the electricity on because that's not what the show is about i hear much more (laughs) about these characters meeting each other or dealing with whatever loss they have or you know uh, even like uh, tyler dealing with his old issues like that's what the show is about it's not you know and i guess maybe the book felt like it needed to do that or maybe it was more about uh coming back or whatever but yeah it was that's why it was so disconnected like look you've been here for 20 years and no one's got the electricity on right that's clearly they not do at the at, at the, the uh, airport yeah airport yeah yeah i don't know the airport is a little bubble but it's like but no one else in the world figured out how to get electricity turned on you you walk around this whole wheel i was thinking how big the wheel was and i saw a map i'm like that's how far they're going and nobody has the, you know but anyway so that's that's not important in the show um so i feel like the, the ending as soon as i realized this was going to be the end of the series i liked the ending because it showed the courage of its convictions to say we don't need to tease this we don't need to say you know fast forward 50 years and everyone's back in their cities <laughs> and kirsten's president of the united states like we don't need there will that. be <laughs> no <laughs> st- station 12 people there will be no <laughs> station 12 uh, president of the great lakes republic or something right <laughs> something like that with probably like a shakespeare name that they'll pick up like, uh, it'll be like Denmark or something. I mean, if you're going to do that, they just have to, you should have fast forward to show Kirsten on another planet in like a, uh, a gladiator arena fighting an yeah. alien. Then I'd be fine. But sure. anything beyond <laughs> anything short of that, don't do it. Like the, Tasha uh, Yar in that episode of The Next Generation. So I want to go around one last time before we go and just get final thoughts about how, how you felt about this, uh, this show. Um, I... I'll I'll get it started and say that there are several moments in the first few episodes where I thought this is exactly the kind of TV show I like, like exactly the style of it, the tone of it, the fact that there are moments where you're like, what? <laughs> Just like little little uh, revelations, uh, jumping through time with nonlinear storytelling. I just. Uh, it, this is exactly my stuff. Uh, reminded me a lot of Watchmen in a way, which is not surprising because a bunch of the people involved with Watchmen were involved with this. Um, I heard a lot of people say that it reminded them the left of the leftovers. Guess I should watch the leftovers, right, John? You should. Although I, I would, I was going to mention that there is the, you know, part of what this show is ostensibly about is hey the world ends and how do people deal with it but the leftovers is so much more about that than the show is yeah. <laughs> because yeah. like i said most yeah. of the problems in the show predate the end of the world whereas leftovers 
they're really dealing with the end of the world. Yeah. Uh, not really the end of the world. Anyway, everyone should watch Leftovers. It is super weird, but I don't think it's <laughs> that much like the show. It, if anything, it is. If you have difficulty watching this show, uh, the Leftovers will be challenging because yeah. Leftovers was making people super sad before the pandemic. Yeah. So, John, uh, you have some final thoughts about Station Eleven overall? Yeah, I think uh, it re- kind of reminds me, maybe it's just because it's in the same app or whatever, but it reminds me a lot of, uh, you know, certainly Watchmen, but also Raised by Wolves, which is another show on HBO, and I guess Leftovers as well, and that these are shows that are weird, and they're weird in different ways, and it, I enjoy watching a TV show that decides how it's going to be a TV show in a way that's different than any other show I've watched. Raised by Wolves certainly does that. So does this show. And I just, I love it when someone is allowed to do a thing without being so tied down by expectations for a television show, yeah. even for an HBO television show. Um, and you know, I definitely see the kinship with Watchmen, but Watchmen is different, right? Than, oh, yeah. than, than this, and it's different than Raised by Wolves, which is different than The Leftovers. And I I love I treasure any any television show that can be like that even if I don't like it and I like this show I like that someone is being allowed to to do story because there's so many different ways you can tell stories in books and short stories there's so much more freedom I feel like for people to tell stories in different ways and television and movies for whatever reason there's this orthodoxy and these tropes and people just have to follow them maybe it's because they cost so much more money than someone pecking away at a typewriter or whatever but like I love this. I love when someone spends this much money, has these many great actors to to do this, this very weird show that just has like whole episodes where it wants you to buy into an emotional catharsis of people acting out Hamlet at an airport after an apocalypse. I'm like, yes, just thumbs up. Just give me a hundred more shows like this. Yeah. I, I, I really loved it. Um, and it was, it did not make me sad. It, it, it made me happy. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, I should have probably said that at the beginning when we didn't fire off the spoiler horn really but like people who are worried who have li- listened to all of this and are like worried that this is going to bum them out it's not it's it, this is a an uplifting show about the end of the world that's how it is annette uh final thoughts well i would have like i didn't want to know but if i'd known jeep <laughs> this is my big worry it's like if jeep dies i'm not okay <laughs> 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 but i think uh, like one of the things i like is it is such a like crafted story so like the interplay of all of the timelines and the flashbacks and forth uh and how those sort of build on each other i thought I really liked how it was doing that and building the story and revealing the layers. And I I liked all the coincidences of who knows who and that, yes, in real life, these sorts of things never add up and tie up into such a nice and tidy little ending um, with the play and with Jeevan and Kirsten seeing each other again. But for me, that just made a really satisfying uh, story. And I think if I had known, like, I didn't want to know, but if I'd known the ending, I would have had a lot less trouble watching the whole. Like, uh, I could feel like I could go through and watch this again, which I think it is really rewatchable because you could now look at all those those jumpings back uh-huh. and forth and read them in a different way. For sure. Aline? I've changed my mind. I didn't like it. No, um, <laughs> I, I just, I really do like it. And I think what it boils down to is... It, it did leave me, it does leave me with a sense of hope um, that humanity is resilient, that we find friends and family, that we can 
make our way through adversity. We can make our way through hard times. Like these are all things that I kind of need to hear right now. Um, and so I enjoyed it for that because those are, I mean, that is the story, right? And, you know, I think every episode where we're talking about some kind of story, um, I say for me, a story has to have characters, at least some characters that I like, or I'm not going to enjoy it. And um, Raised by Wolves on HBO, I've really been struggling with. And I figured out last night as we were watching the latest episode that the reason why is because I do not like a single character on the show. Um, but I like Station Eleven because I like the characters. I like Jeevan and Frank and Kirsten together. I like their little found family. Um, even though it ends so sadly, it's um, it's such a precious little thing. You know, I like the traveling symphony. I like that found family. Um, I like how they're protective of each other. I don't like that they have to be, but I, I like that they are. And so I don't know. I think that it's, I think that it's a good story. I think that it's well-crafted. I think that, you know, even the time jumps, I think are really well done kind of once you wrap your brain around the way things are working. And I agree with Annette, like in retrospect and, and watching it a second time, if I choose to do that, I think they will work even better. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's a nice little story. Um, and I do think it's, I, I think the reason I like it more than the book is that it is, um, the book has some icky elements to it that were kind of omitted from the TV show. And so I appreciate that they made that choice. Jean? Well, um, I do want to um, talk about how much I liked the acting overall. It was such a stellar cast. It was there. There really wasn't anybody where I went like, oh, this person, you know, isn't my favorite. Or I think that they worked really well with the the fact that the story was so over the top and, you know, like they didn't just have, it wasn't just, you know, a plague or a pandemic. It was, you know, 99.99% of the human race disappearing within, you know, a couple of weeks or something um, versus you have people who, who just, they weren't showy. Like the characters weren't showy in, in, in the way that, you know, they were portrayed and I I just I did just love Jeevan and Frank and Kirsten together in that apartment like I just yeah, that was like a big family camp out situation. I mean, obviously there was a lot of trauma happening at the same time. But even like when they first get there and that uh they're Frank really doesn't even know what's going on and they hear this sound and and Kirsten says, I think it's that. And it's a commercial jet crashing yeah. right in front of mm -hmm. their building. And nobody goes like, oh, my God. It's, <laughs> you know, it's just like, okay. You know, like I just enjoyed that kind of calmness um, to the overall uh, story as it was <laughs> as it was unfolding, <laughs> which would, I would be the person go screaming and Top 10 around. signs, you're at the end of the world. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, I, I have to agree with uh, the others saying like it would knowing how it ended did 
you know, I I would be willing to watch it again um, if they had not, um, if Jeevan had, you know, either, you know, done something terrible or something terrible had happened to him and he died. I, I don't think I'd watch it again. But when you finished it, Jason, you didn't give any spoilers, but you just posted one crying face emoji and i was like oh no oh no they die they do they do die dang you know so i was very you know i, no, I was, was pleasantly surprised the and, and uh, the other kind of crying which i, I just didn't kind. know you had it yeah. in in you to be so uh emojily weeping yeah um at the end of a show so also anyway. i didn't know sad it was over but it was it was definitely yeah. emotionally satisfying and well uh, I'm glad we got to talk about it and it's out there for people who want to watch it or watch it again on HBO Max. Um, Station 12 probably won't happen, but I've already <laughs> spitballed a couple episodes. So HBO Max, just give me a call. <laughs> put it, put something together. Um, it was a pleasure talking with all of you about this show, which I loved. It's exactly my kind of stuff. Uh, let me say goodbye before we wrap it up. Annette Weirstra, thanks for being here. Thanks. I am glad I finished it. Yeah, I'm glad you did too because yeah. you got to be on this podcast. Aline Sims, it's thank true. you. <laughs> thanks for having me on. Gene McDonald, thank you. Thanks a lot, Jason. And John Syracuse, thank you. Station 12 is the adventures of Miranda. I've already, I've already got it pictured in my head. It's great. Mm. Like, just let's make it happen, people. <laughs> she's had a whole adventure on the other side of the planet. Mm -hmm. she's, what is she getting up she to? She wasn't. Let's turns out. out she just had a cold. She didn't have, uh, <laughs> uh, and she had to deal with the, her own hippie cult leaders in Malaysia or wherever. So, you know, again, HBO Max, call me. That's their episode three. Uh, <laughs> uh, thanks, everybody out there for listening to this episode of The Incomparable. We will see you next time. <laughs>